hello and welcome to another Movie Monday. This week, I'm going to ask our host to help pronounce the name of the film because I don't want to mess it up. And this movie is... Capernaum. Uh, and I think the best way to describe it is, I forgot to ask you this earlier, why did you pick this film? I picked this film because I'm I'm a big fan of the director mainly. So the director is Nadine Labaki, um, and she is a Lebanese woman. And uh, she's directed a lot of really good, really powerful films. They um, have won lots of awards at festivals. I think this one also did very well at festivals. Um, won the it's jury really prize at, at Penn. Yeah, yeah, so insanely well. <laughs> like, yeah. And for good reason. So uh, I, I just, I've been wanting to watch more of her films and this one seemed incredibly important. And uh, it's, I think, the most recent. So... Yeah, thank you guys for embarking on this journey. It was not a light one. It was worth watching, but it was not light. <laughs> it was not light, but you guys heard it from our amazing guest. That's the voice of Iman that she just described the movie we're about to chat about. And you're currently listening to more movies. Please. Okay, and we are off. Lift off, blast so, off. Lift off, blast off. Pot off. Pot, pot off. That's a new one. But you know what <laughs> isn't new, but a welcome return is our guest. Iman is back. Ah! She's back, everybody. Yeah, happy to be back. <laughs> oh, and, and apparently tormenting the hosts <laughs> with my movie choice. I, I wouldn't say tormenting, but definitely got the feels because like right before we started recording, we were talking about like, how when we watched it like for me i watched this the night before recording today all the way through right before bed which way through all two hours all 120 minutes of this Woof. i literally had only a five minute intermission to refill up snacks you, oh, but we you watched nonstop. Oh, okay yeah yeah oh, and that's man. different because sean you watched it I mm -hmm. I started <laughs> watching this one yeah i guess friday night um because i thought I have some time. So, you know what? You know, we're recording this on a Monday as, as we usually do. Mm -hmm. So I thought, Hey, you know what? I, I got, I, I'm not watching anything currently. Uh, I've got some time in my schedule. So let me put this on. And I got, I don't know, 20 minutes into it before <laughs> I like, I was like, I need to set this down. This is, I, I knew this was going to be a heavy and tough kind of a challenging movie a movie that wasn't just going to be like easy to breeze through it was going to really like require that you engage with it and you know make you feel all of the things but i don't think that i was really um anticipating correctly just the environment that uh our our poor dear zane was living in and just his the the life that he was living and uh, it, it, it kind of threw me for a loop. So I, I turned that off after a little while, not because I wasn't enjoying it because I think, well, I don't know. The word enjoy is doing a, a lot of weird work there. I think <laughs> I, I was, I was engaged with it. I was interested in it. It was just, uh, it's, it's a very downtrodden movie. So I put it away, watched something a little bit cheerier and went back, uh, Saturday night and watched like another hour and a half of it. It's like, I, I need to go to sleep. I, I, I need to set this aside again and then finished it up last night. And um, 
I don't know if it, that is necessarily the way to watch this movie, but I guess maybe it did make it a little easier to mm-hmm. to uh, digest and just stomach it to kind of break three, it down. Three nights. <laughs> yeah, I it may have been more powerful um, and immediate if I had watched it like straight through, but I just I I couldn't really do that. I am not as strong as Steven or, or well, you. Are okay. <laughs> now I'm now I'm wondering what's wrong with me because. When I watched it, I was like, it's really heavy subject matter. It's really important. It's really yeah. real. It's, um, you know, it's very in your face. But I thought that the way that they handled it and the way it came off felt lighter. I didn't mm. feel heavy. I felt like she did a good job of maintaining some sense of levity with the characters. Like Zane, just it's just how life was. Yeah. And like, he's just going through life and like, he had really cute moments. There was some like, I mean, it was hard to see existence like that because you see existence Mm. like that for people. And you're just like, what is life? Like you ask those questions. You're like, why, why are you even existing? If this is, which was kind of his whole point in the beginning of the movie. But I don't know. I thought she did. And I'm also wondering if maybe because I know the country I've been there, I've seen that environment. If maybe it wasn't as big of a shock to me. That's what I was. I was wondering is like, I, I have not been to Lebanon. Is it? mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. um, I comparatively have lived a significantly better and probably more in many ways, extremely sheltered life uh, comparatively. And uh, yeah, I think it was just a massive, massive case of culture shock for me, mm-hmm. um, especially I mean, I, I I am assuming like, I don't know, what do you say since you've been there? Is it like many other places, many other countries where there are um, very disparate sections of the country where you have um, more of these uh, uh, rougher places where Zane lives in and more of the affluent places all within the country or is it just sort of this is how it is in Lebanon throughout the entire yeah country? no 100 100 so, like yeah. Lebanon I'm especially I mean most places in the Middle East but like Lebanon um there's just a huge poverty gap you know like the gap between the wealthy and the and the impoverished like there's no middle class really mm. um there's I, I mean there's just like People live well. And actually, I mean, there's a middle class in Lebanon. People live well and they live in apartments. Like my family's in a nice apartment. Like they're they have a house in the south. Like, but it's still dirty there. It's still mm. dirty. There's still people on the streets everywhere. And you do see this kind of like hood rat, I guess, like a lot teasing Aladdin reference, like uh-huh. mm-hmm. kind of vibe all of, all around the street. Like it's in your face. You're not far from it. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean there's not nicer parts of the country where people are living well. That's true. And like, you know, Zane's in the slums, like that does exist separate from each other, but it is more prevalent and in your face than like you would see it here in the States. And to see like a slum, I guess, of that extent here in the States, I'm not sure it even exists really. Like it probably does, but maybe not to that extent. It's yeah. Yeah. Nobody's like putting, you know, sheet metal roofs over on on their mm -hmm. like four plywood walls. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe there are some rougher portions of I, I mean, the closest analog I can think of is LA where mm-hmm. there are, there can There's be such cities. wide gaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. any, any large city like mm-hmm. San Francisco, probably there are 
uh, you know, very opposing uh, uh, places mm-hmm. that have very different qualities of life. Uh, and, you know, the people who live in each of those cities would have very different um, views on, on their world all in all in, you know, within a few square miles. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, maybe maybe not as extreme as what was portrayed in the in the film. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's, it was an interesting way they showed it. And I, I think for the film, there was no need story wise to show anything but the slums that Zayn was living in. So watching this, uh, maybe I was being a little uh, affected by just that constant depiction of Mm. this extremely tough life. Um, Like the film doesn't give you any indication that maybe there are places in Lebanon where it's not just so tough for a 12 year old Mm. child to live day to day. And I don't know. Maybe maybe that was what was sort of um, made made a difficult, a more difficult experience was just mm-hmm. like there was no escape from Zane's life while you're watching yeah. this film. You know, you're always yeah, struggling with him. For him, he really was. Yeah, we were we were just really in his day to day, and yeah, I don't think he would ever see any other part of the country. You know, except for that kind of rough, yeah, rough bit. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was tough in in moments, but I you know I have to give the filmmakers all of the credit in the world because i think they kept a very consistent point of view and tone throughout the entire thing and i mean i i'm sure we'll we'll keep referring back to this constantly throughout this this episode but i'm impressed as hell with the the young actor zane who i i'm not sure if he was ex, you know exactly the age of his character 12 years old i think they were estimating but regardless of his real age i think he I like I'm astounded by what that kid did. Do you think he's older or younger? I wouldn't be surprised if he was younger, but I also I mean, I yeah. could I'd believe it if he was 12 years old. Because He looked tiny. He looked so tiny. I thought he was like seven. But then they're like 12. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I mean, but I also believe it. And actually, they used a lot of um, like they, they didn't use a lot of actors in the movie. So they were all real. Like Zane himself was actually a Syrian refugee living in Lebanon for eight years. And so he's, yeah, like a kid from the streets. And they had him playing a kid from the streets. Um, a lot of the characters, they did that. Although the lawyer in the beginning, that's actually the director. That's Nadine. Oh, that was her. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so she makes uh, a little cameo. That's very interesting. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I is I, I sure I, I have I should have checked her her IMDB profile more but i wouldn't be surprised if she has some some decent acting credits too i think she, she does, does yeah mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i mean her her part was relatively very small but there is a moment mm-hmm. toward the end where she was just getting it from zane's mother and uh that that small performance that she gave of just um like having to face uh, a family and a reality that maybe she wasn't very familiar with because i would I would think that people working in the law profession in Lebanon are, you know, they, they're not living in the same slums that Zane's family was yeah. living in. Mm-hmm. I feel like she gave a performance where she was was saying, I'm face to face with the reality I don't mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm representing this young boy and, you know, I'm I'm here. I, I'm with you. I'm a woman like you, but we live extremely different lives. And I, I think it really kind of stopped her in in her tracks. The lawyer to to realize mm-hmm. what this uh, this other life is like. Yeah, and it's interesting because the movie, you know, is about one thing, 
but it actually touched on a lot of different topics that I've seen Nadine focus on in her films. And, you know, she's done PSAs and short films and things that focus on like um, the whole papers issue, you know, like they didn't have papers for the the boy and they wouldn't let the girl into the hospital because they didn't have papers for her. And like this issue of you're like illegal, you're living in a country illegally because you don't have papers. You're not a human if you don't have papers, like that kind of concept I've seen her tackle and other things. And also the whole, and this might've gone a little bit, you know, over your head because you don't know the culture, <laughs> like, but the the madams where they're like, oh, I was working for a madam. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. go be a maid. Like, right. it's very standard in Lebanon. Like, you don't even have to have a lot of money, but your family would have a maid, you know? And so uh-huh. a lot of them get mistreated. Uh-huh. A lot of them, they, they get sent from other countries. You know, we saw the one character talking to her mom back home. She's like, yeah, the madam's taking good care of me. Like this and that. Hmm. They get their paper. They're allowed to come to Lebanon and basically live as a servant. They're, they're basically servants, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they live in the house with the family. They get taken care of by the family, but there's a lot of abuse there. And I've seen Nadine tackle that as well, um, because people don't look at them like it's ra- There's racism. There's a lot of racism. They don't look at them as the same. They're not Lebanese. They're Ethiopian or they're wherever they're Syrian. Sure. Um, so she was she really was tackling like a lot of very heavy issues all through the lens of just this young 12 year old boy trying to live and exist. That's a that's that's a fascinating thing you said. So um, you you mentioned that uh, I don't know your your personal or family wealth doesn't necessarily need to have a bearing on whether or not you may have a maid, a live-in maid, or or somebody who works yeah. for you that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is it the case that I I find it fascinating that uh, I shouldn't find it fascinating is the way of the world I guess, um, but that that's somebody who who may be on a very similar. Uh, economic levels that somebody else would still um, view themselves as above or better than just because, hey, I'm your employer, I'm giving you a pittance that I can't even really afford, but you're still working for me. Well, to clarify, Uh they don't have a lot of wealth, but it doesn't cost a lot to have a servant. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think the difference. I'm not saying that they're like barely doing better. It's just that you're, uh, I mean, like you, they don't cost anything. And that, that was another thing that came up a couple of times was like this idea of value on a human life, you know? Like the guy wanted to buy the baby for $500. He's like, I can get it. Again. Like, we don't know what he's doing with these people. At the end, we see that, you know, there's people and like, but there's just, there were a couple of times where people like made offers on human life or made a reference to like what someone's life would cost. And like, oh, your papers, like your life is worth $1,500. Like, and that, that idea, like it, it feels like life doesn't cost, like there's not a lot of value given to a human over there, which I think is something that she's, you know, exploring and why that is and trying to change people's perception on it. Um, and then that goes again to Zane, like he wants his parents to stop having kids, you know, and he's like, my life doesn't have any value. Your kids' lives doesn't, don't have any value. Like you need to stop having them. I mean, they, they essentially just sold off Sahar to, mm-hmm. to uh, Assad mm-hmm. because she was, I don't know, she, she was just a, a, a pulling the, fa- she was just another mouth to feed. And then they saw, you know, she, she was entering puberty. So she's like, oh, we, we can give her away now and mm-hmm. not really, I, I don't doubt that they were sad to have let her go in that way. And, and eventually to have, you know, <laughs> spoiler, mm-hmm. um, to, to have 
known that Sahar end up ends up dying, mm-hmm. but also like you know they don't have the resources to keep feeding that many children. So yeah, and, yeah, in some way, but they keep having them. I know that was that was the maddening thing. I'm like, if, the if poor, that that scene was rough. Her telling Zane that they were going to have another kid that was rough. That was like. And he did so good. That little actor, yeah, he was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, you, you, Stephen, you, you wrote down a possible episode <laughs> subtitle for for this one. I, I, I agree with it completely. I think you. What do you write? Stop having kids if you don't love them. Yeah, <laughs> or if you can't take care of them. <laughs> or that, like, yeah. You know, they maybe did love them. Maybe you know, maybe they did love them, but like mm, they can't yeah. take care of them. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that is an issue in the States as well. That's an issue here too. People have kids and they can't take care of them. Well, you'll see that in different movies and hopefully nobody's had to like see it in real life, but stuff happens like you. I've seen movies where people are talking about being foster families and they're literally doing that so they can get the check for the kids and the Mm -hmm. kids just play in the backyard that they probably did love the kids in some shape or form. But I think one of the biggest problems was they were in survival mentality where everything is you're literally thinking from the next moment. So, oh, the kid can be sent off, like Sean said. Then they're like, hey, that's one problem we don't have to deal with. We're not thinking long term of what the repercussions could be. That the reason I even put like, if you don't love them was how are you going to name your new baby the same name? That's almost replacing, which at that point, like if you've just lost one, I don't know how I could even consider bringing another one in. Like even with in a survivor mode, because I've like had trainings and talked to different homeless people where they're they're not thinking about, oh, if I piss this place off, I can't come again. They're thinking I need a warm place for tonight. I don't care what I do to get it. Not thinking of the next day because to them, the next day may not exist, which is why probably a lot of the city was run like this is everybody was just thinking of the current situation they're dealing with, which for us in the States, we're not used to that. So when we see this kind of movie, which is probably why it shell shocked you a little bit, Sean, like it's a reality check because you're not used to seeing this kind of thing or even accepting it as a reality to deal with. I mean, I can accept it as a reality, but it's not, you know, I live in Corona and there, there are parts of the city where it's, you know, Clearly not as the I don't know the the median like income of this area is not as high as any of the other areas and it shows in in the um, quality of the housing and in seeing people like sleeping on the streets and just not having homes so I mean it's it's I think for everybody um, that's sort of a a present an, an always present fact of life but seeing it in this film. It and being and having it be told through the point of view of somebody actually living it through Zane's point of view, mm-hmm. I think is a different. It's a different matter. I mean, yeah, it's I think- it's right there. You can't just like drive past it like you might in a, in a city. Mm-hmm. With this film, it's like you're gonna we're gonna make you watch this for two hours and you're gonna live it and you're not escaping it. So we're forcing you to confront it and and realize that this is happening right now. Because everybody knows that there's poverty in the world, that there's third world mm-hmm. countries, that there's and Lebanon. I don't even know we would consider Lebanon a third world country. Actually, um, it's pretty advanced. Um, yeah. But like I said, there's a huge gap. But um, you know, everybody knows that people live in brutal conditions and that there's starving children and that like we know this, but there's something different about knowing it and actually seeing what it means for a 12 year old to be stuck with a one year old 
living in a shack and putting sugar on ice cubes so that the one-year-old's not starving. And how does the 12-year-old know to do this? It's because his family did it for him. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that a 12-year-old can take care of a one-year-old for what, like a month? Like, you know, left our own, like, we have to figure that out for ourselves. But, (laughs) you know, toting this baby around in a bucket on a skateboard around the city. And it's just like, to actually, yeah, see it, see it and be living with it and like see his face and just, yeah, it makes you wonder, makes you wonder. Yeah, I I, I can't like it, it, it seemed like it was difficult enough for that, that baby, uh, for Jonas's mother, Rahil to mm-hmm. to manage that life with mm-hmm. um, a, a very, very young toddler was tough for her, tough as hell for her to place the owners of that on on zane because sadly really tragically rahil was swept up um because she didn't have didn't have her papers like counterfeit papers you know real or real papers or otherwise she didn't have something that could keep her out of trouble so then it falls on zane's uh unwilling and and uh unsuspecting shoulders to deal with that it's like i can't even imagine i yeah i he's having a hard time taking care of himself like to to then be forced to care for this one-year-old who i i you know i think he really does care for and love deeply but like he called him his brother yeah Yeah, absolutely but like you just see him carrying the baby and the baby's like almost as big as the 12 year old (laughs) oh yeah 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 he's not he's i not equipped to 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 do all of that and in many ways not capable of it i think he like he tried his damnedest and i think was was as successful as you can be for a while but a pretty good job for like a 12 year old on the street taking care of a baby like yeah he was pretty resourceful for a while i know but then like many things in this film catast like external catastrophe happened like i he probably could have gone on for a good bit longer if the shack that oh yeah it got locked out what was mm. yeah was locked out and he didn't have like now he was really really living on the streets mm-hmm. with, with himself and with Giannis. and i mean what do you do then i don't i don't really blame him for going to uh yeah. aspro to like mm-hmm. what other options do you have he can't no definitely not he's not bringing in any money and he doesn't have any place to to house either of them so what do you do? And at that point, Aspro never really gave any direct or explicit indication that he was a human trafficker. So it seemed like the best choice. And I don't really blame Zane for it. Seemed like a nice guy from his perspective, you know, even though I'm sure he was like, don't trust anybody, but he didn't give him any reason not to really. Th- through 400 US dollars at him, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I, I would assume, a, a significant amount of money, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, for any 12 year old, that's a good amount of money. So, and, and yeah. That's I, the thing, like, he had offered him that amount of money originally, and he turned it down because he had hesitations to the fact that he got to the point where what he could provide for the child was so dire compared to whatever this mystery scenario is mm-hmm. that he thought that was better, that he was like rolling the dice because he's like, it has to be better what I'm currently doing. And I like was Nicole asked me a question like, hey, how is this kid still going for this long with this? Like, isn't he tired? Isn't he overwhelmed? Like, literally, this is just his mindset. of It's not that, oh, when will this get better? It's like, this is life. This is life. I'm just doing it. Like, it's not a matter of how am I pushing through? It's this is what I do. And you could see his, you just see it in his poor eyes, like the, mm-hmm. under his bags got like so red. But that, 
that's what got me thinking, you know, just about ourselves. Like there's a mindset here in the States. Like if life is bad or if you're not in the place where you want to be, you can work hard and get out of it. You can work hard and improve your situation. You can be something different. I know, you know, in my own life, like I'm trying to be something. I'm like working towards something. And then you watch a movie like this where people are working to exist and it's an existence that's hell. Like Zane literally describes it as being in hell. Mm. And he doesn't, he, there is no way out. You know, there's this one offer of that human trafficker guy. He's like, I'll get you to Sweden or Turkey. (laughs) But like, you know, and then he doesn't have papers. And like, what are his parents working towards? Like, and it just, it's such a different mindset and perspective. And I don't know that, that really is what makes me wonder. I'm always like, what what is your why (laughs) yeah i i think the scary thing is maybe sometimes people in this situation don't even have a why it's just like moment to moment so to even fathom a life like that where you don't even have a why that you're looking forward to it's just how do you keep pushing through that's the thing like but what is it that makes you want to keep surviving when Every day is terrible. Like, and you know, you can see it for the the woman. Um, uh, what's her name? Tigas, but that's her fake name. Uh, Rahil, I think. Rahil, Rahil. Yeah, mm-hmm. like her why was her son, right? Her baby. Like life was so hard, but she loved her baby, and she was like trying to take care of her baby, and she wanted to like just take care of him, and like like she had a re- even though there was not there's no dream. I think that's what's weird is we're so used to having dreams here. Like, you know, we watch a TV show and like the kid's living in poverty, but he wants to be an actor and then he's going to make it big. Like these people in this scenario don't have dreams of being singers or actors or like, like it's just survival. It's like, that's just survival. I think one of the examples that kind of really complements that is when they're having him take his photo for his actual ID and the guys like smile and he just like refuses. Like he's not used to smiling. He's like, this is your identification, not your death certificate. And like, that was the first time he's like, Oh, something better is coming along. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that they just froze right on that image, like spoke volumes. Like this is like the first real big win. Like rather than just staying afloat, like instead of treading water, he's actually gotten to shore. And it's funny that he got there through getting into prison. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even in there, he was resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good takeaway. Um, And they held on that image for a long time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great the only way i was able to sleep <laughs> yeah uh, okay, i was actually yeah. i was surprised there was no text afterwards i was waiting for like a you know kind of uh, and like, I, it didn't feel right i was like oh this is gonna be cheesy there's gonna be like the this is how many children are living but there there wasn't any of that which was actually kind of surprising the image just spoke for itself uh, yeah 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 i i guess so or I I found that final image valuable because I think it it did give me a sense of of like I have no idea what's going to happen to Zane after these credits roll. Like he's got identification now, but he's still living in this country. He's still presumably going to be imprisoned for however long. And then after he's released, I mean he has identification, but he's not out mm-hmm. of Lebanon. And I, from what the film showed us, it seems extremely, extremely difficult to get out of there without being trafficked. You know, I like he could find any other number of aspros, but what guarantee does he have that he's actually going to get to Sweden or Turkey or wherever it is? And I was trying not to consider, um, you know, what was what could have happened to Zane 
after what was shown in this film because I just wanted to have that smile that he gave at the end, that really beautiful smile. Um, because it was, uh, it was through, for the rest of the film, I think we were, we were shown uh, very vividly and graphically what um, any like post movie, like end credits text could have uh, described. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I, I think it would have maybe been uh, enlightening to see to, to read about like what are the what are the real situation what, are what the is your goal what do you want us to do now like yeah yeah where, give us something to do um but it didn't need it it didn't need it yeah maybe it was it was okay just to end on on a happy mm-hmm. note and mm-hmm. for for uh Raheel too because she got her son back which was yeah yeah uh, i'm happy it happened but i was it was unexpected for me because mm-hmm. it, i mean I, she was she was Kind of in prison too. She was in holding and um, probably going to be deported. And I like separated from her son in that way. I think it, it I, I'm glad that they were reunited, but I, I was worried that it wasn't going to happen. So yeah. I'm very happy that the film ended on those two happy notes because for the previous two hours, it was, it was rough going, you know, yeah. at least for me. Well, and probably they do just get deported. And then here's yeah. the scariest part is like, how awful it was living there how terrible how like like absolute hell and they didn't want to go back to the other place because it was worse you know (laughs) like there's all these people that wanted to be living in this terrible shitty situation Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to leave this country that was like like that was their land of opportunity and it was like oh don't show me that movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah they came from like yeah that's that that's interesting but that their preferred alternative is a life without dreams or potentially hope for a better future because the alternative is almost near certain like death and ex- you know, yeah just mm-hmm. being blinked mm-hmm. out of existence mm-hmm. and i i guess that maybe at least with raheel is a thing that also keeps her going mm-hmm. and maybe for zane too because the alternative mm-hmm. is i don't know i either either you live this really really shitty life all day every day or you don't live at all and mm-hmm. i mean i i'm sure some people get to that point where they're like eh, you know nothing possibly is better than this horrific reality um but I guess for most people, like the the idea of just not being alive is enough to keep you living through that kind of hell. Yeah, we just have such a strong mm-hmm. like instinct to survive. I guess. Yeah. No, no matter what. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 tough going. <laughs> uh, I, I it's the only real thing that I can think of to understand why Zane's parents would keep going and mm-hmm. wouldn't just mm-hmm. like say, Hey, you kids, we keep having, we keep having, we're off. Good luck. You know, um, we, we care for you, but you know, this is, this is shit. I, I got to get out of here. It's like, what makes life worth it? You know, like, yeah, why do you just, and I, I can't answer that question for them, but is this the heaviest movie you guys have had on the podcast <laughs> or has there been worse? Um, I wouldn't use, definitely wouldn't use the word worst. We've had some heavy ones. Uh, the one that I kept thinking of, and, and I think you referenced in your notes, Stephen, was Shoplifters. Yes. So that um, Shoplifters I referenced because with this film, I well, Shoplifters is from seven weeks ago from this release. And that one 
it kind of reminded me of this um this movie reminded me of the word um parasite and shoplifter so the skill set that the parasite family had i think zane had that kind of skill level but he had the heart of the people in shoplifters because that family actually did care about each other and was doing everything to look after one another and yeah they were doing some questionable things with like oh this will make our lives better but they were still concerned about each other's welfare so i think that it's a little bit of both those movies into this i was remarkable about shoplifters as you find out spoilers for that movie too uh apologies iman <laughs> uh no, that family several of those members were not related to each other and they were just uh like a group of grifters that happened to like mm-hmm. gravitate toward each other but they still loved each other and supported each other through all of the crap that mm-hmm. they were going through and were mm-hmm. living in kind of similar uh a kind of similar environment you know it wasn't maybe as hellish as what zane was going through but they weren't living it up in style or anything but you know they still they still kept it together and there was a lot of love in that family um shoplifters would have been zane's sweden yeah. <laughs> like if he had made it to that area yeah. which says something because that one pulled at the heartstrings and yeah, it wasn't a happy ending, but it wasn't a like completely dreadful one. It was mm-hmm. just one of those, ooh, I was kind of hoping you'd go in a different direction. I get why you went and ended like that, but I really was wishing for something mm-hmm. else. But I, w- I was content that I bought it. Spoiler, you got on that one too. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't so I, seen that one. I'll have to look into it. It's a good one. If if you're a fan of, of mm-hmm. Japanese films, then uh, that's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, yeah, I think it, like Steven says, it tells a similar story. It's just a different environment with different, yeah. uh, ways of lives and, and values, but still at its core has a lot of, um, like hope and dogged deter- determination just to mm-hmm. get through day to day and val- try to value what you do have while living a reality where you don't have a lot. Yeah. It, it, it was good. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good watch. Um, and I, I keep, I, <sighs> I keep going back to uh, what's on my mind is, is Zane's parents and um, what things must have been like for them. Because I, I'm not of, I'm I'm not Zane's age. I'm not 12 years old. I am probably a good bit closer to Zane's parents age than, than the alternative. So I'm trying to place myself in their shoes and, and try to imagine what that sort of life might be to have to try to care for that many children um with inconsistent or possibly non-existent income and not knowing what every day is going to be like and and like just trying to survive that way and am trying to have some compassion especially toward um Zane's mother because I mean Zane's father I I think he he was very dismissive of his family frequently mm-hmm. in fact was you know cursing his family and saying you know I wish I'd never had this family and and had never met my wife oh my life is hell my life is terrible and I get where he's coming from but conversely Zane's mother was in a similar situation but I I don't really ever get the impression that she like cursed her life or her children the in the same way that her husband did mm-hmm. and you know I I don't know like had a rough go at life and wasn't be wasn't able to provide the life that Zane wished he had had, but didn't wasn't doing anything maliciously. Mm. She was just dealt her own really terrible hand in life too, and kind of, I don't know makes me feel more compassion for her. I I think you know naming your newborn Sahar after your your other child died is is maybe a little bit uh, I don't know careless and and 
cruel in a way, especially towards Zayn. I understand why he was very upset. But on the other hand, like that very impassioned speech she gave in the courtroom made me really feel differently for her. Mm-hmm. Like, I, You're not the like careless monster that you may have seemed at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. You're struggling mm-hmm. yourself. And I, you know, Zane's trouble is that he's just, he's got his own hellish life, but he's also 12 years old and he's, he, it's hard to see outside of yourself, I think at that age or it can be, I don't know. I, 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 I thought her character grew many more dimensions by the end of the film and made me really rethink how I felt about her when the movie started. Interesting. You're a bigger person than I. I was like, no. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot about her that was like, this is some bullshit, man. This is fucked up. But I, I understand that. I don't know, I'm I'm trying to consider that yeah she should they should not be having any more children but also just the the uh forethought and the knowledge of like uh uh what more children can do to you and like how birth control can be helpful and just like taking accountability like accountability in that way it's maybe not it's, knowledge it's that not you an have option for them yeah. yeah it's not an option i don't know if it's uh because of religious reasons or if it's just because mm-hmm. of a lack of education that poverty uh kind of necessity mm-hmm. like it's hard to get that sort of uh, uh good education when you don't have the ability to afford that education yeah I, i'm not sure what the exact cause of it is um so i yeah, they shouldn't be having any more kids, but it's not surprising that they are at the same time. I no, I think you're right. I think you're right. She, yeah, they, I mean, and, and the dad said himself too, you know, he's like, this is how I grew up. This is what I went through. Like, mm. it's just a cycle that continues to repeat itself and they don't know any better. And it's easy for us to say like that they could do better, should do better. But when you're in that situation, yeah, like that's all, you know. I mean, even Zane, you know, we see him taking care of the little baby and like he's doing the same things his parents did for him. He's trying to sell tramadol shots on the street and like, you know, mm. tying the baby up to the fence to the bedpost so that he can like not get into the drugs that he's making. And like he's not doing that because he doesn't care about the little baby. He calls him his brother. He loves him. He's got no other option. He's got nothing else he can do. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's an issue in itself that is probably, it's probably easier to blame them because that's a, like the issue to fix that is so big that it's easier to just blame the parents and say, well, the parents should do better. You know, like that's like, oh, there's your solution. But the truth is like, there's just a whole system and a whole like generations and generations that have lived that way and lived under corruption and don't know any better and are doing the best they can really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to be able to empathize with them, I can respect that and understand, like trying to see their perspective on it. That the, it, it, unfortunately, like to, you can't go black and white. We're like, okay, they're just the bad guys. I respect the empathy, empathizing with them, Sean. Iman, I'm with you with, <laughs> oh, I want to hate them. And the reason for that is like, I, I, I get they don't know better. This is what they've done for generations. But like when I grew up, we had, one parent gone. We're nowhere near this struggle, but like times where we're like, okay, I'm going to lie that we had dinner so that they don't waste any food and we run out. Like they think I ate already. So you're good to go. But like when you real grow up like that and you're like, okay, now I know what this is. I feel like Zane was grew up in those situations and was like, this is what we went through. This is why I'm going to try to do better. And like, I feel like they were doing what they could for their kids, but didn't have the same forethought as Zane with the, how can we 
do better than our previous parents that like, oh, it was fine for them. So it's fine for us. Like mm-hmm. it didn't seem like they went a step further. Mm-hmm. So I feel for them. But I also think, uh, come on, just one little baby step would have given me something to be able to empathize with you a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear parents say all the time, like, I'm working, I want to give a better life for my kids. I want to give a better life for my kids. Mm -hmm. It didn't really seem like they had that mindset. Like they were just doing, they were just going about doing. But you you think they were able to have that mindset if you have, I don't know how many kids they have, but I mean, they had a lot to take care of. And I like, I'm no big fans of these parents. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they, I, I do not envy Zane one bit, uh, you know, and with the parents he has, but I, you know, uh, I I can imagine it's hard to try to give your, your kids a better life when you just like literally do not have the ability to do so. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, it's ultimately the, the people it hurts the most are the children and that's just a real Mm -hmm. damn shame. And the only thing I can really hope for, is, and maybe it'll be the case because I think Zane is actually, a, a, for despite his his situation, seems incredibly intuitive and smart. I'm hoping that he will have learned the very um, hard won lesson of not living, not not becoming his parents in that way. Uh, you know, maybe he's learned some things from them, but maybe he won't have seven or eight kids and and get himself into that same situation. And I think maybe that will have been the case. I mean, he, he took his parents to court. It sort of seems like he's like, oh, oh hell nah, I don't want this. Good God. He knows that's not what he wants. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, these these parents should have done much, much, much better. But it sort of seems like Zane is on a better path or will be by the end of it. I hope. <laughs> we can hope. Yeah. <laughs> I You know, he's had, uh, I think... I, I think his relationship to Jonas and Raheel is probably more important than even the movie suggested because um, like he didn't have with them a life that was any better than what he had with his parents because it was it was really, really ridiculously hard for Raheel too. But the example that Raheel was showing to, to Zane about how parents can be to children and what sort mm-hmm. of love children can receive from a parent if the parent actually tries to to give like uh, um like indiscriminate like completely selfless love I, I you know you might have a hard life but at least you've got loving parents who who really do actually just want the best for you I think that can I think that probably made all the difference for Zane I think he mm. will have a better life because he had a better example with Raheel yeah yeah and I'm sad that it got taken away from yeah. him I know <laughs> like yeah set up no good things last forever yeah. Although, but it did seem like, yeah, there's a difference. There's yeah, a difference yeah. between like everybody's in this shitty situation, but some of them had a different heart towards it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it rubbed off on, on Zane right away because he, I, it was, it was Zane. Zane was the reason that Raheel was yeah. reunited with Jonas. And I mean, he didn't have to go through that ever. I don't really know how he went, how that was, he was able to make that happen. Um, but he went through probably a considerable amount of effort to get Jonas back to his mother. And mm-hmm. there there was nothing that said that he had to do that. He just did that because he understands that there can be good and love in this world. You just have to try. Zane does seem, he seems like 
such a unique case, like such a special character, because from the get go, he was very loving and compassionate, very nurturing, very protective, you know, like he Mm. looked out for his sister, even like taught her what to do when her first period came, like this 12 year old boy teaching his 11 year old sister, like Mm. how to use a pad. And like, yeah, exactly. So he's very, yeah, resourceful, protective, nurturing, intuitive, like all of those things. Um, and then that seemed to be his natural state of being. And he was that same way with Jonas, the baby. I, yeah, I don't know where he, I, I have no idea where he got it from other than I, he was probably just, uh, it was gifted with more intelligence than anybody else around him and was able to make those sorts of, of compassionate leaps that others just weren't able to do. And that, I don't know, ended up being better for him mm. in the end. It would probably be his situation because like, I'm not going to mention where I get this reference because I don't want to use a cheesy show to support a fantastic movie. But basically there's an example of like, how would you know how this creature would act? It's the last of its kind. It's been tortured. It's being mean. How do you know it was going to be nice to us if you set it free? And it's like, I've seen it before. It's very, very old, very, very tortured, but all it did was make it kind, like enduring all that pain and suffering just made it kind so that it makes sure that nobody else has to feel that rather than going for anger and vengeance. It's, I know what this feels like. I want to do everything I can to prevent this for others. And I think that's where it, how he developed was he saw everything and he's like, I want something different. I'm going to protect the people I care about. If you look at it from that lens, it's really a hopeful movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's, like, that's you know, a good look way to at look at it. That's almost like, a more uplifting yeah, yeah. But we had someone who's so nurturing, caring, this little boy who didn't let the world get to him. And we had mm-hmm. like Raheel, like doing the best she can. We had, you know, like there, there were people that still like acted out of kindness in the movie, like the shop owner that gave them the free ramen and vinegar chips for his sister, you know, like minus the things. intention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right might have yeah. been creepy but <laughs> yeah and there the, were good there were good moments in there too like moments of kindness and yeah like like you said earlier Stephen, not everything especially in a movie like this with people like mm-hmm. this is black and white even the terrible people have shades of gray you know i i i don't i i think Assad is is the creepiest creep that ever creeped but yeah, he, he gave free food to the family sometimes. and it, it could have been his mindset, too. Like, we don't know, like, what mentality he was brought up with. For him, that might have been 100% acceptable. And it wasn't him creeping. It was just, like, him looking for somebody to connect with. Which we I mean, he said change. his mother-in-law. That's that's what his mother-in-law went through. Married mm-hmm. off at 11. And that was that. I think the biggest thing is understanding that things aren't as simple as this person's bad and this person's good. Is if we start understanding there's gray areas, that'll help us to be able to not just punish people who do stuff that we disagree with, but actually help them to evolve and grow and work on the bigger problem than just a simple jails full of people, such mm-hmm. as the movie showed. Yeah. 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 They even <laughs> I liked the human trafficker more than I liked that guy that married the young girl, but, but it's true. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he didn't really do anything wrong technically like by, you know, whatever their standards are in the world there. It's like, yeah, they do get married that young. They do arrange the marriages with the families. Like they had a wedding. They, you know, I mean, obviously it was horrible and twisted and it's not right, but that's mm-hmm. a bigger issue about education and less yeah. about the person being an evil person. I was happy he got stabbed. But that's yeah, just a side I was note. happy he was in a wheelchair and stabbed too. Like. Uh, yeah. But I also like hope that somebody helps him to 
be better because he didn't seem vindictive. <laughs> well, maybe maybe getting stabbed will be the the lesson he needs. Yeah, maybe well, Zane we, was the person to do that. <laughs> how he got stabbed? So who knows what Zane cut? So he wasn't a wheelchair yeah. anymore. Yeah, S- something important was cut. I don't know what it was, but he was in a wheelchair in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with this type of film, it's very like we've started to kind of like pick favorite moments or like moments that upset us, which I think we've covered plenty of things that have creeped us out. And even though there wasn't a ton of levity, is there any moments that really stood out to you guys or even a favorite moment, whether it's happy or dark? Uh, well, I found the the scenes in the the jail toward the end really fascinating. Um, I was trying to place myself in the in, in this world. And, and I'm wondering, like, with what so many people were picked up for i i would i would imagine that most of the people in the jail or probably a fair portion of the people in the jail weren't in there for necessarily bad things yeah in the case of raheel it was just she was undocumented she didn't have papers so therefore she was a criminal but she didn't do anything bad i don't feel so Mm -hmm. I, i i get the impression that that was the case for most of those people and you know in the in the juvenile center that zane found himself in Everybody there was, you know, I don't know what everybody was in there for, but they were all very excited when Zane showed up on the television and they were happy for him and really supportive of that and celebrating his, his, you know, almost newfound celebrity. And I, you know, we, I think I, and probably a lot of people are conditioned to think of jails as like a deserved punishment and it's very punitive. And if you're in there, then you're a terrible, terrible, bad person. And you're not worth redeeming. There's nothing redemptive about it. And you should pay for what you're, for, for your sins. But the movie, what the movie was showing is that that's not the case for probably most of the people. And there's a lot of community that could be had in there and a lot of love. And, you know, uh, I, I was really struck by the moment when um, Raheel saw Zane pa- passing through the, the prison and realized that there's nobody to look after her child and would just like, understandably broke down and was just like distraught and you see so many other women just crowd around her and try to support her and keep her from just destroying herself that moment too though i was like no one's watching my baby but i was like okay but like a 12 year old's been watching your baby (laughs) for like however long you've been locked up like the fact that he's only here now like like, (laughs) i mean what did you really think was he did a good job. Right. Like, yeah. What did you really think was happening out there? Like, <laughs> right. I, watching either one of them. I mean, she probably wasn't feeling pretty great up until that point, but I think yeah. at that point <laughs> that it was like just a tipping point. Oh, yeah. uh, a- any any possible hope I had was just like boom, snuffed mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it and just then, made it that I mean, much more worse because, as you said, yeah. like there is possibilities of good things that she could look forward to, but once he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, it just became like instantly dire, even more than it was before. Yeah. But I, I was just, I was struck by the community and the um, mm-hmm. camaraderie in those, in those cells and how everybody was really like stuck in a really crappy situation. And they were still like, they weren't monsters to each other. They were still there for each other. And they're all just they're all just in a crappy situation. They were human. They weren't being treated like human. And they were there yeah. specifically because they weren't classified as human, but they were yeah. having human moments. 
I mean, yeah, they were, they were also kind of, I felt really condescended to, I don't know what the deal mm-hmm. was with the, like the church coming by the church group and singing songs to these, these poor prisoners, the missionaries that thought uh, they could save them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that bullshit, that one, that one, I don't know if I am really taking this the wrong way, but it came off to me as really condescending and gross. Mm-hmm. I like guys, you're only here to pat yourselves on the back. You, you troop of singers. Uh, I, I don't know, but the, the people who were in the cells, I think were, yeah, it showed that, Hey, there's still people. Everybody's just, mm-hmm. we're all people and we all are just in our own, we're living our lives and let's try to help each other out. I, I thought it was despite the, the situation, the setting, it was still kind of a beautiful moment because everybody was trying to keep each other up and trying to lift each other up. And uh, and you, Stephen, what were the standout moments for you? Standout, I'd probably say just Zane taking care of the baby. Like just seeing that he was just pushing so hard to take care of this life. Like he knew this baby, like it wasn't the baby's fault that it, they were, it was crying or putting this burden on him. And of course, the cartoon scene just cracked yeah. me up because of the dialogue he was saying i was just like <laughs> it's so messed up what he's saying but it's also sweet because he's trying to like entertain this child and he just put this kid first and what 12 year old even in the circumstances where they're used to this kind of day-to-day life does that much effort to look after another human being it was just as shitty as that shack was it was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that i think those moments like them on the bus together where you just mm-hmm. see their closeness you know and like they're their face like so close together and like the first day that he's like taking care of the baby and i'm just like <laughs> okay when is the like now the baby's in the diaper now he's crawling out i'm like is he <laughs> like like people in the states struggle like grown women struggle watching babies like <laughs> i was like waiting for something terrible to happen and he was just fine <laughs> because he like cared about him and yeah you, you know he felt the love there and that was yeah that was inspiring his compassion his compassion was good well i definitely agree with that and we want to make sure that everybody can find you online since you have this great presence with your work and of course sharing these fantastic films yet again you you picked a winner (laughs) very different from the last time Yeah, this is this is quite the pairing. If you I I would I would recommend listening to the room uh, that we did earlier, and then follow it right up with with this one. I want to hear what that experience is like. Maybe flip. Or do this one first and use the room as a palate cleanser. (laughs) Yeah, that's a better idea. Yes. (laughs) So after this, go listen to the room podcast. (laughs) Yes. Further, get more Iman time. Where can they find you? Yes. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Iman's or whatever your handle is at Iman. It's just my name, which is E-I-M-A-N-N-E. Um, that's the best place to connect with me. It's where I'm most active, probably. Um, I think that's yeah, and I've got a new series um coming out soon. And so that's Instagram handle is on your knees series. Um, and you can find that on my page as well. So lots of content coming your way. I also have a short film called Kismet that's going to be coming out soon. Steven did the sound on that. He also did sound on, on your knees. Um, so good stuff. You can find it all on my Instagram. I'm going to have to hop yeah. on Instagram and find out more about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That'd be cool. But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me again today. Um, I'd been really wanting to watch this movie and thanks for bearing <laughs> through it with me. Um, you know, whether it took you one day or three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was a it was a good film. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy, just heavy. Heavy, but yeah, I think important. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you know, you listen through this episode and and you recognize that you don't live the sort of life that Zane is living, I think it's probably a, a good film to watch. This sort of perspective that you the sort of perspective you can get from watching this film, I think is valuable to have. Yeah. It makes you feel grateful for what you do have, you know, and want to yeah. want to keep that perspective in mind. Well, before we wrap out, I want to say one thing we normally do are rent or buy. I'm just going to say one comment and if anybody disagrees, they can give their opinion. But I think this one deserves buying to support the film and the artist's work. As for rent or buy, this is just a must watch period. However you do that, that's up to you when you see the trailer. But you can't go wrong with watching this one. This one is a must buy. I'm not going to even say insta buy or rental. It's just watch it and you decide how. That's that's a good point, Steve. I was I was kind of, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say uh, to in response to that question, and I was gonna say give it a rental because it's a tough film, and maybe you don't want to watch it more than once. I don't know, but supporting the filmmakers, I think, is is the important thing here, and I think it's worth a purchase for that mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I don't normally watch many films more than once, so I probably for anything my go to is a rental, but. I do think that she does a lot of work and supporting the filmmaker that has those kind of messages and perspectives in mind and wants to make a difference in that world um, is uh, always a good use of money. Sean, you want to wrap us out on this one? Well, thank you for listening, everybody. It was a great time. It was a fantastic time talking to you again, Iman. Uh, thank you. I'll echo what Steven said. Thanks for having, thanks for coming on again. It was uh, a, a breezy conversation that had some heavy subject matter, but we've made it to over an hour now, and it does not feel like it was an hour. So that's wonderful conversation. Great to talk to everybody again. And thank you for listening. It really means a lot to us. Uh, spread the word. We love hearing about uh, people discovering this podcast. So spread it far and wide. And until next time, when we come back with, uh, well, let me let me check the episode index. I think we're starting. No, we're not starting uh, 80s month yet. Next <laughs> next week <laughs> is going to be a decidedly different movie. It's going to be our... Um, mm. End of this week. Well, I guess not next week, this Friday. Uh, it's going to be our B-movie of the of the month. That is quite the movie. Um, I Have you ever seen a movie called Deep Murder, Yvonne? Deep Murder. I was waiting because I'm like, I love B-movies. What is it? What is it? No. Deep Murder. Okay. I'm deep deep Murder is on, it's on uh, Amazon Prime if you have access to Ooh, that. Okay. Uh, it's, it is a fascinating piece of cinema. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I'll give one line from the trailer where they go, a soft core porn meets a hardcore murder, <laughs> which there's oh, no actual murder, porn. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's what you got to look, uh, look forward to You know what? That's a good chaser after this film. <laughs> this will, this will lighten the mood after that one. So We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again when the Hulk one comes out. And until next time, uh, I've been Sean Anderson here with my wonderful co-host, Stephen Reyes, joined by our fantastic, wonderful guest, Iman Elzane. And you've been listening to more movies. Please.